Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8, 88, the internet, wherever you are on the Faith FM network. And you're joined this morning by myself, Lawson, and my amazing, wonderful co-host, Monica. Monica, I bet you call you all your co-hosts amazing and wonderful, don't you? Yep, yeah, DJ oh, shall wow. confirm. It's not just me. I well, see how it is, Lawson. Uh, well, you're also... Um, yeah, yeah, go on. Dig that great Really deeper. cool. <laughs> and... I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to get you in trouble because I am very grateful to you this morning for really? fixing my head Oh, yeah. wow. I've been driving around a Cyclops car for quite some time now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I finally managed to get around to buying a, a light bulb and uh, I had no idea it was so hard to install mm. a light bulb in a Well, car. it's not that hard. I think... It looked a lot harder. I was like, oh, I'll just pop the bit of glass down and then take out the light bulb and put the new one in. And then the, nah, I asked Austin like to do that for me last night and... Uh, I was so amazed at how many bits had to come out of the car <laughs> before you could put a well, light bulb it's in. It's just like a couple of bits. I think the hardest part, the part that I got stuck on, and it was cool, there was someone who just, oh, there's this little clip on the Mazdas where you have to like force it in. It's like a spring clip. If, you know, if, if, if maybe you're listening, maybe you change light bulbs on cars and you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, on the Mazda particularly, there's this like spring clip that you have to push down. I was like trying to really force it in there and um i was like as i was pushing some guy walked over he's like oh you need help i'm like yeah sweet i held the thing he pushed the clip in and bada bing bada boom it's all good to go so yeah, yeah dude living our best lives i highly recommend getting yourself a lawson oh man okay you know what i'm grateful for what, what, what? i could have lost my eye yesterday what? Not really. Not really. I just got a speck in my eye and I had to go to the optometrist. On the plank? And uh, just a speck, just a speck, but they, they put anesthetic in my eye and they wow. fished it out with a needle. Oh, which dude, is I don't think I can handle super, this story. Super gross. Thank but, goodness it's time for But it was awesome. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and we are going to have our first quiz for today. Okay, paying attention. This is going to be the first one for the day. See if you can get yourself in for the draw uh, on Friday, happening for the Days of Daniel puzzle. I mean, game, sorry. That's yeah. really cool. The first <laughs> quiz goes like this. Joshua erected a memorial of how many stones after crossing the Jordan River? Mm, hey, if you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. Of course, our prize for this week is the Days of Daniel board game, which we can give to you absolutely for free. As long as you, you just have to win the draw. Yeah. And to get in the draw, you have to just answer these questions. Entry. See that that's that's salesmanship right there. <laughs> I, I just baited the people, you know, they're like free and then How's your salesmanship been going actually? Well, yesterday, as I said, what what we've been doing is distributing Christian literature in the community. Which has been amazing. Hey, just before I tell you the story, let's quickly just give them the number one more time. 0491-064-669. What was that question again? Joshua erected a memorial of how many stones after crossing the Jordan River? It's a very common biblical number. There's an extra clue for you. Amen. In fact, you could probably guess it. Yeah. <laughs> 0491-064-669. Um, 
Yeah, so yesterday we went out. So over the last week, I've been with a group of young people and we've been distributing Christian literature in the community. And it's been really amazing. I talked about on the show how the method that we used to do this um, is a really good self-sustaining one for a number of reasons. What we do is we leave books for donations in return, which go towards our our scholarship, which essentially it's a, you know, uni break scholarship program. That's that's what I'm doing. Um, And, you know, half of our team is like high schoolers. The other half is uni students. And we're out in the community. And the reason we leave books for donation rather than just dropping them off is because people don't read things that they get for free. Amen. Like, Completely agree. Like 80, I would say 80 to 90% of the time, that is the case. Mm-hmm. They don't read things that they get for free. They only value things if they buy them. So, again, we could bundle these books up. We have enough books to just, like, hit, you know, one, uh, you know, one suburb and just, like, drop all these books off and be like, yes, you can be blessed. And they're, they're spiritual books. They're, like, really, really powerful, amazing books. But at the same time, they're like no one will read them, which is not the point of what we're doing. We want people to read these books. We want them to be invested. We're if you fu- give someone a book for free, it devalues it. Like yeah. in their mind, it's obviously not worth anything to you to give it away for free. So mm. it means it's not worth anything to them. Yeah. So we are trying to reach people that way. And yesterday, as I said, like I had a relatively slow day because my day was kind of stunted once uh, something flew into my eye and I literally... <laughs> it had was, to go to the optometrist. Yeah, I had to go to the optometrist um, and they got it out for me, which was nice. So but, disappointed you're not sitting across me wearing a pirate patch. That would be really cool. Be really Maybe cool. I should wear that. Maybe people will feel sorry for yeah. me and I want to take, take my book. Yeah. I'm like, please read it. The only reason I'm out here with an eye patch on, I love lost this idea that's like uh, no, we're not gonna go go about it that way but no it's been a real blessing and particularly because i'm the oldest one there at 24 the rest of the people we're with are 17 18 19 and it's just been amazing to pr- see we've just been praying and just getting together and just praying and praying and praying like lord lead us to people who are seeking after you and we have had divine appointment after divine appointment even yesterday for myself i was out and you know i was really praying like lord Find me someone who actually value this. Mm. And um, I went to this house and, you know, there's there's this lady there with her daughter. And I showed her one book. It was a health book. And she was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then I brought out the next book. It was a mental health book. So the first book is like a physical health book, Foods That Heal. The next book, a mental health book, Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton. And she was like, whoa, okay, that's that's interesting. And then, and I'm like, who doesn't want to live more happy? That's right? right. I'm like, it has scientifically proven ways to improve your mood and your life. And she's like, who sent you here? Like, <laughs> like who, who sent you here? Who, who, which one of my family, like who knew you needed to come? <laughs> and then I pull out a book called peace above the storm, which oh. is literally a book all about how we can know Jesus better. And this lady wasn't Christian. She wasn't religious, but I'm like, this is how we can find peace. It has 13 steps to spiritual health and also helps you to know Jesus as a friend. And she's like, I think I'm interested in that. And I'm like, well, that's fantastic. This is the book for you. And it's amazing. I gave her this book. So I also got her a kid's book as well. It is a really good kid's book. You know, we've been talking about like the devolving of like children's media and like just, you know, some terrible things going on um, in that space and just TikTok awfulness and whatnot. And we've got these kids books that are amazing called Unforgettable Stories that basically like go through and they have like character building lessons and like instill, you know, build faith and instill good moral values, that kind of thing. It's like Christian based. And she got that book for a child. And it was just, it was just a really awesome interaction. And she was really blessed. So Amen. good times. And, but that's like, 
story after story every day we're just meeting people who are like well actually i am interested in learning more about jesus like well i've got resources for you and then we've been you know getting people hooked up with the church as well so god is really good um and he's been doing an amazing work hey monica yeah that's enough good news for me what's the good news for me oh look i want to talk about something that interested me um uh, a little while ago it was actually a news story that came out on uh, abc news and it was talking about why australian suburbs are so hot and it was um, it was basically going into the whole trend at the moment for houses to have dark roofs. Mm. Has your roof got a dark house? I mean, does your house have a dark roof? No, my house has a light roof. Yeah, okay. That's So maybe it's a bit of an older house then? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so you probably notice like when you go past those Macca's mansions, yeah. everything is like like a dark grey or even yeah, black yeah, roof. Yeah. So... Um, it's a, it's actually a trend that they're noticing actually uh, works against people in lower socioeconomics. Like they, wow. Yeah, like they actually, um, I don't want to say the word condemns, but it makes things worse for them. Yeah. So basically like, so. like lower socioeconomic uh, suburbs have less trees. Like you know when mm. you talk about like a leafy suburb, you usually mean like a wealthy suburb. Yeah. And so the the lack of trees drives the temperature up. And then if you have a black or a dark colored roof, it like increases the the interior the, the houses the interior of the houses temperature, and uh, and so with the sun you know coming down it, but because you know these investors build these Macca's mansions, these huge uh, like suburbs, and they just do copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste, and so all the houses have these uh these you know stylish, currently fashionable dark roofs, and this makes the the house. And then the whole suburb so much hotter. And then what happens is, of course, these people who, who rent these houses or buy these houses have to pay so much, um, you know, to get air conditioning to get the inside of the house to cool mm. down. And so, which, you know, drives their power bill up or, um, you know, uh, whatever kind of uh, cooling system they're using. Um, which, of course, you know, if they're lower socioeconomic, it's, they can't, you know, having a higher power bill is bad for them. So actually, it's, it's cheaper to cool down a house in a wealthier suburb than it is to cool down a house in a um, in a lower socioeconomic. And mm. you can actually look at the you can actually the ABC um, news article that did this actually released a map showing what they call the heat vulnerability index. Mm. And like literally all the poorest suburbs of Sydney are the hottest suburbs. Wow. It's and I just thought this is so stupid because they're literally backing themselves into a corner for fashion, for housing mm. fashion. It's so stupid. Like all they have to do is like stop painting the tops of their houses black as some sort of like fashionable statement, which mm. is gonna go out of fashion anyway. And I was thinking, once again, if I was Queen of Australia, I would make it illegal. <laughs> to paint to paint a roof a dark color like you're done with that. Yeah. Anyway, something really cool has come out of India of all places. Oh wow! They've actually developed an ultra white paint that is cooling the homes inside the poorest of India's slums. Oh, that's amazing. So they're actually using their noggin and they're combating it in exactly the way that Australia should be combating it. Yeah. So in India's Thar Desert, there's hundreds of poor women who have been given uh, cans of solar reflecting white paint to coat the roots of, uh, mm. the roofs of their homes. Uh, it can cool the living areas by as much as 7.2 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 4 degrees Celsius. It's actually mm. like quite a lot uh, by sending the radiation from the sun back out into space. So this was uh, a program that was started by uh, the Mahila Housing Trust, MHT, which works as a non-profit with uh, poor women in central and western India to help escape, you know, debilitating effects of heat. And India is, you know, famous for being a pretty hot place. Mm. So it first started working out of... Uh, um, 
excuse me, um, Medar Bad uh, in the state of Gurajet um, before expanding into other cities in the nine other states of India mm. where they've installed these cooling features now on over 30,000 homes. Um, so they, they give them a can of paint, uh, they take them home, um, they do, give them a little demonstration of how it's done and they basically do it themselves. They have like brick or corrugated tin homes, um, you know, and sometimes the, the, how, the inside these homes gets above 47 degrees yeah, in the Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this is really great, this paint. I just wish they would introduce it to Australia mm. as mandatory yeah. for lower socioeconomic suburbs. Well, there is a bit of a white paint revolution happening in these spaces as well, you know, for children's playgrounds and whatnot, they're painting yeah. them white and it seems to be the way to go. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And Monica, you are going to give us our next quiz. What was the result of the 10-day trial of Daniel and his friends? Wow. 10-day mm, trial. 10-day health challenge. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you know the answer to that one, I, I love this story so yes, much. One, I one? love it. Hey, and it's very much related to our prize that we are giving away, the Days the of Daniel, Daniel Board Game. Yes. You'll, be able actually, you'll, you'll be able to live out the trial. <laughs> Dude, nice. that's amazing. Yeah. Hey, yeah, that 0491 cool. 064 If you know the result of that trial, then you can just text that number with an answer, any answer, any answer. Maybe maybe uh, your answer could be that they were fined by the IRS. Uh, you, <laughs> you, could, you could say, or the ATO, you know. <laughs> hey, do whatever you like. Send us an answer, and uh, that doesn't mean you'll get in the draw. The answer has to be correct. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, guys. Aim for a correct answer. Just, just go for it. 0491-064-669 is the number to text with an answer, and you will go into the draw to win the Days of Daniel board game, which comes along with the promise that, hey, if we're in your area sometime in the future, we will come and play with you, <laughs> and we will beat you. Oh, well, if Shell is going, yes. Well, <laughs> She's a bit of a master at board games. <laughs> I, I am, you know, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to fight this one out. Hey, 0491-064-669 is the number to text if you know the answer to that one. Hey, guess what we're, we're going to talk about this morning? Uh, uh, Nicaragua. Oh, <laughs> why did I have to guess? I knew that one. <laughs> we're, 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 we're talking about Nicaragua where we're seeing the battle of the dictatorships. No way. Are you serious? Well, it's, it's incredible. The situation that's unfolding there. And by incredible, I just mean kind of like a house fire that you just need to watch and you can't turn away from, mm-hmm. but with some kind of devastating and unfortunate circumstances and particularly in the area of religious persecution. But essentially, the president of Nicaragua, his name is Daniel Ortega. Now, he initially was the president of Nicaragua from 1979 to 1990. And he took over from, at that time, they had a US-installed president, which was pretty common in Central and South America at that time. And, you know, in the Middle East and whatnot, as there was the Cold War brewing and fighting over communism and, you know, the US and, you know, the, the communist powers, USSR, were racing to install leaders in those places that could, you know, further their cause around the world. Uh, So, yeah, Daniel Ortega took over in 1979 from the US-installed president who was there and was president until 1990, until losing the election in 1990. And then eventually, in 2007, got re-elected and has been president ever since. Oh, really? Now, he, during his his presidency, uh, he, you know, has been had all kinds of you know issues and and 
you know, kind of uh, d- different policies he has made and, and whatnot that have upset the people. But five years ago, there was a policy that Daniel Ortega made. Well, he was trying to push forward a bill to reduce the pension for retirees, essentially. He's Ooh. like, we're going to reduce Never pension. Never a popular move. That's right, which led to widespread riots mm-hmm. in wow. Nicaragua in which 356 people died. What? Which is a huge number. That's like way more than BLM, like anything like that. Like 356 people died in the riots, you know, thousands arrested, all these Nicaragua, what is going on? It's not, it's not, not good things. Is it because it was old people rioting? No. It was, you know, people rioting on their behalf, that kind of thing. Uh, But you had these huge riots that took place. And now Daniel Ortega in that situation asked high officials from the Catholic Church, you know, bishops and cardinals and priests, to help him mediate with the people to stop the rioting. And the Catholic Church said no. Good. They were like, no, we're not, we're not going to help you, you know, calm the violence here. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting thing because it's like on one hand it's like this guy is very much acting out of self-interest and, yeah. and being very... Uh, and he's manipulating them by using their religion. Yeah, but then at the same time, for the Catholic Church, they're like, "No, we don't want to help you to, you know, we'll just we're just going to let the think, violence continue." I don't on. think the church should have got involved with the political. But issues. regardless, mm-hmm. this has turned into serious beef, serious yeah. battle between mm-hmm. the you know Daniel Ortega's government and the Catholic Church, and this has led to now at the moment. Um, the disappearing of priests, the oh. like surveillance in churches, wiretaps on the church, uh, multiple arrests of priests. You know the accusation oh. that the Catholic Church is a money laundering institute. Now, the Catholic Church has no shortage of controversy institutionally around the world for a number of different mm-hmm. reasons. Whether it is uh, abuse crimes, which you know the big report came out of France uh, at the end of last year that what it was over a period of like 30 years, like 400,000 children have been abused. It's like terrible, awful stuff. Um, and all kinds of political ma- manipulation, particularly in the dark ages. And even up until now, you know, one of the, one of the biggest like assets that the U S had during the cold war that enabled them to dissolve the USSR was the fact that Poland was a Roman Catholic country and they used the confessional as a, you know, as, as basically a tool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and it really won them the war. You mm-hmm. know, they called mm-hmm. it the Holy Alliance between Ronald Reagan and, and the Pope. And it's just, it's, it's a really interesting history um, there too. But in Nicaragua, um, so this is like a revenge driven tactic from the government. That's yeah. right. To essentially like take out, you know, the Catholic church and it's uh and it's control of the people, as Daniel Ortega is saying. Now, Daniel Ortega, he claims he's like, the Catholic Church is the perfect dictatorship. Everything is imposed. It's perfect tyranny. You know, uh, the common people don't even get to elect the Pope, only the cardinals. Like, this is a really awful thing. Now, the interesting thing about Nicaragua, being a Central American country, is that 73% of the people who live there are Catholic. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's got a huge Catholic population. Uh, so then you start attacking the most popular religion in Nicaragua and it is leading to, obviously, you know, from the people themselves, um, yeah, you know, it's destabilizing the country and destabilizing, uh, you know, religion and, and definitely it's a huge kind of window into uh, religious liberty and 
basically the restriction of it and what's happening. But again, from the other side, you also see the Pope weighing in on this situation and, and they're talking to government officials there. And then they're, you know, they've been accused of, you know, by the government of some money laundering and some, you know, espionage tactics and, and whatnot. It's like, okay, that's an accusation from the government. But then I'm like, but has the Catholic Church not done that in the past? And mm. the answer is no. And so, it's it's such an interesting thing to look at because you've got a government and then essentially a, re- a religious institution. Both have political agendas and both are beefing for not supporting each other's political agendas. Both of them have clout. Both of them have power. And now it's just leading to this hectic tension, which has gone to the point where recently in a church, and this was kind of the story that has brought this more to light and gotten people talking about it. Uh, there was a church near the nation's capital that... Uh, one of the priests got up and they had a prayer for the priests. They were like, oh, you know, we want to pray for our priests who are going through a difficult time right now. That was the wording of the prayer. They didn't mention the government or whatnot, but the reference was obviously mm-hmm. there. And this church, it turns out, was being monitored by the government and oh. had government like government agents inside and also, you know, cameras and recording devices and whatnot. And multiple of the priests from that church were arrested as praying. A, for, for praying and oh. the church, you know, um, the, the government agents came in on the next Sunday and stood up the front and said, you know, this is uh, anti-government for the priests to pray like this and, and have really put pressure on the the priests and the congregants, you know, and it was... It was this is not going to make them any more popular with the population. Absolutely. I want to say this guy's on his way out. Yeah, but, but this is the difficult thing is that you see like the vice president of Nicaragua is this guy's wife, Daniel Ortega's wife. Like, it's, oh. it's, a, it's a democracy that's actually a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. And I think the saddest thing about this is that it just brings the word of God into disrepute. Yeah. Religion and politics. I think that, again, we should have something to say as Christian people, because we're citizens as well. It's not like when you become a Christian, you don't renounce your right to citizenship. We should have something to say. But when the agenda of the church becomes to define politics and to combine church and state, and or you know, does, when when the agenda of the church becomes a political um, outcome rather than an outcome that is sharing the gospel with people and leading people to Christ, such as you know, has chat happened in the Catholic Church, then you fall into all of these problems. Of course, Daniel Ortega wants to lean on the Catholic Church to help him quell, you know, riots, you know, in the streets. They've been, up until this point, a religio-political institution. Mm. It and- almost feels like a setup. Like, if they oust this guy, then in retributive, like, they're going to hand more power to the Catholic Church yeah, after. It's it's an interesting situation, but hey, guys, pray for this space and turn to Jesus. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Monica, you are going to get us our next quiz. This is quiz number three. It is a multiple choice quiz, so pay attention. I'm going to give you four different options for the answer. Why was Saul an odd choice to be the first king of Israel? Was it because A, he was short, B, he was not an Israelite, C, he was a shepherd, or D, he came from the smallest tribe? Why was Saul... An odd choice to be the first king of Israel. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Tell us was it A, B, C, or D? A was he short? B was he not an Israelite? D he was a shepherd or sorry, C he was a shepherd or D he came from the smallest tribe. 
Absolutely. If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669, and you will go into the draw to win the Days of Daniel. You are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and on the line, we have Mark James from Creation Ministries International. Mark, are you there? I am here. Yes, Lawson. Oh, we are stoked to have you on to talk about, well, all things creation and science and amazing discoveries and whatnot that are happening in that space. And I believe today we are going to be talking about cells. We are going to be talking about cells. First of all, uh, can I say, Lawson, it's uh, it's great to be invited as a CMI representative Absolutely. to be uh, be on, on your show. Yeah. And... Um, and you've also got a Kiwi this time around, so you've got a Kiwi creationist. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we can, we can be that. happy. Yeah, we can do our best. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, we are stoked to have you on. And, no, we really appreciate the, the ministry of all creation.com and CMI and uh, you know having different speakers and whatnot coming on and just sharing and presenting very real reasons that we can have a scientific perspective and view of the biblical creation narrative because of what the evidence is saying. Absolutely. And uh, one of the, the things that I get to do as a creation ministry speaker often is share with, with youth audiences, mm. um, particularly uh, youth, you know, uh, youth today uh, are getting battered um, about from um, evolution and long ages, particularly if they're in state schools. Mm. And sharing with youth is, is just a real passion of mine. And um, quite often when I'm talking to them, I'll, I'll just say to them, you know, being a scientist is like being an explorer. Mm. And I, 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 I ask them to think, you know, if, if you were an explorer and, and you found an island that you thought nobody else had ever found, that no human had ever stepped foot on that island, mm. how, would you, how would you work out whether that was true or not? And obviously the answer is they, they would step onto the island and they'd go looking mm. for signs. Of, of human activity on the island, uh, looking to prove the, this wrong, basically. They're trying to prove it wrong that this island hasn't had humans on it. Mm. And I say to them, you know, if, if you get onto this island, what are you going to be looking for? You're going to be looking for signs of human in, um, inhabitants. Um, and so you're going to be looking for signs of intelligence, intelligent mm. design. Mm. And uh, I say to them, you know, if you were on that island and you were to find an electric motor, um, what would you think? Immediately you'd think, oh, well, obviously human beings have been here before. You know, this, this is a sign of intelligence and, and not just any sort of intelligence, but a, a highly skilled intelligence. Mm. Uh, and, and then I say to them, what, what if you were to find robots walking around on, on the, on the island? Well, then, then you know that the, the designer of those robots is human, is, is intelligent, but also is incredibly intelligent. Mm. And then what I do is I, I take them inside the cell and some of the machinery that we find inside the cell today is just astonishing. Mm. And, uh, and the highlights for me often uh, and, and in the talks that I do to the youth is I show them an animation of a machine in the cell called the ATP synthase mm. motor. Um, and ATP is the, it's the energy currency of all living uh, organisms, uh, and it's a molecule, adenosine triphosphate. And uh, adenosine triphosphate, when it breaks down, it releases a huge amount of energy, but first that ATP has to be manufactured. 
And there is a machine inside the cell called the ATP synthase motor. Mm. Uh, and if you go to our website and put ATP synthase into the search uh, in the media section, it'll bring up uh, and you can see this ATP synthase, an animation of it in operation. Wow. And um, the fascinating thing about ATP is that um, the human body produces and then consumes over half its body weight in ATP every day. So if, for instance, an 80-kilogram person would actually produce 40 kilograms of ATP every day and then use that ATP. That's how incredible the energy consumption is of the human body. That is amazing. And it, <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah. It's fascinating. And, and the thing is that the ATP synthase motor, it's actually a, a rotary motor. It's an electric motor. Mm. Uh, and it, spin, it spins it up to 7,000 revolutions per minute. Mm. And um, a molecule uh, called ADP, adenosine diphosphate, has a, a phosphate ion added to it to form ATP. Mm. And um, the, the cells in our body, most people have between 30 and 50 trillion cells in their body. And each of those cells performs this reaction about a million times per minute. Wow. I'm, and, I'm um, watching this animation right now. As you said, I'm like, I, I need to see this. This is fantastic. Like, it's um, and tell me, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you guys are going to be able to actually put a link to this on your website because it is a, a, a thing of beauty. Sure, absolutely. And you'll be able to text us at zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and we'll be able to link this as well. You know, we can put it on our social medias. But yeah, you you'll be able to see this. This is fantastic to see, and I love I love something that you said, Mark. Um, again, sharing this with the youth in the youth space, and the fact that you know this is a space in which people are being met with you know a whole host of ideas of how we came into being. And I just know for myself, I coming from a non Christian background, and I had a scientist teacher who was a Christian, who was a creationist. I went to a Christian school, and he would just you know he had state-mandated curriculum that he had to teach, but he would give us insights that, hey, well, you know, this is this is what one viewpoint says. I'm a Christian, and so I believe this, and this is some of the evidence for it. And I remember as a non-Christian in school being so moved by that and convinced by that and, see, and seeing, uh, particularly in the argument of intelligent design, and going like, well, how could everything just fall into being like that? And, and those questions started from a young age, and then as, as I got older and older and came to the place, I, I became a Christian when I was 18. And, but those things were already playing in my mind. It, seeds had definitely been sowed for me because I'm, I was looking at, you know, machines like, like ATP machines and then looking at these different mechanisms that cells use and whatnot, this intelligent design and going, this, this, like, as my science teacher rightly pointed out, and as you're rightly pointing out now, and, and what you're getting to, is that this is so incredibly complex that can this not be designed? Like, <laughs> I think there's only really one option here. Uh, I would agree with you, but there are people in this world that will look at this motor. Mm. Uh, in fact, the people who, who found this motor, the, the guys who discovered the, the, the way this motor operates, actually got the Nobel Prize for the work that they did. Wow. But um, these people will look at this motor and they'll say, it's evolved. Mm. And, um, and I, take, I then take the youth back to the island and I say, look, if, if you found an electric motor on the island, would you assume that that motor put itself together? Um, but it, that it's evolved there. And, of course, mm. they say, no, that's ridiculous. So then you can go back to this electric motor in the cell and say, 
has this been designed? And uh, and usually every single one of the youth will say it's obviously been designed. But the, the, the incredible thing about it too is that um, the, we, we as human beings, we make electric motors. Mm. And we can make electric motors that are pretty efficient. Um, and by efficient, I mean um, efficiency means the amount of energy that's turned into work. And the motors that we make can be sort of between 75 and 95% efficient at larger sizes. Mm. But as the size of the motor reduces, the efficiency actually goes down. Sure. So we make very small motors that are very efficient. Mm. But the ATP synthase motor, the motor you're looking at there, is so small that 100,000 of them could fit side by side in a millimeter. Wow. But this motor operates at almost 100% efficiency. That's incredible. So, like, and obviously this is good for our body because then everything that is produced is then used and then we have you know 100% efficiency and access to the energy that our body's producing. Yep, that's definitely the case. And, and the interesting awesome. thing is that um, um, cyanide, poison cyanide, and I don't recommend people try this, but if you take <laughs> cyanide, it kills you in about in about 30 seconds, okay? Sure. But uh, cyanide, the, the way cyanide operates is it stops these machines from operating. Mm. So that's how important these machines are to life. Wow. So that is so. As soon as as soon as these machines, obviously, because forty kilos of this is produced and we're using it. So as soon as the 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 break in the chain of command here goes out, you know, as soon as the motor conks out and breaks down, then it's these are really the things that are enabling us to have enough energy to continue to live. Definitely, and and the other thing about it too is that. All living organisms uh, use ATP. So this uh, machine must have been in place and operating at the moment the first cell came into existence. Mm. So it, it couldn't it couldn't have evolved. It had to be there and operating perfectly when the first cell came into existence. Which again mm. speaks completely against these people who say that life evolved from non living chemicals. It just doesn't work. Mm, absolutely. You know, we've had, uh, you know, one of our good friends, John Ashton, come on the show and, and describe, you know, the work that cells are doing and, you know, all of these offset chemical reactions that need to take place in order for a cell to run and, and for that to just come into existence randomly. But again, we can see it here in this mechanism that like the, it, the mechanisms needed. It's not. It's not just that. Oh, all these chemical reactions need to happen at the same time. But then, the as we can see here, the mechanisms that enable those chemical reactions need to already be fully formed and developed and know what to do, so that this can happen. Yep. And and it's just like again, I'm watching this little video. This is like a really. It would go really cool as a GIF that you could share around with people. And just like hey, you know, question mark. You think this is intelligent? Like um, it just came into being from nothing. Like this is uh, this is amazing. All of these need to really form together to to make anything happen. But it is just so complex. This is awesome. Yes. Now I've sent you a link to another video there. Have you seen that one? Okay. No, I I don't have it in front of me. Which, which one's that? We have a, a another machine in our cells called the Kinison motor, the Kinison uh, and motor. Uh, motor. And uh, when you see this in, in operation, you'll be amazed because this is a transportation system within the cell which transports proteins from where they're made to where they're used, mm. and it actually it actually walks. 
So we have a molecule in the cell that takes steps. And um, when you see this, when, again, when the youth see this, they just erupt in, in laughter because it is just so um, unexpected to see something walking that, uh, and again, this is within the cell. Mm. Um, these are machines that go along special roadways. They're taking proteins from the nucleus out to the edge of the cell, uh, and they take steps. And it's just a beautiful thing to, to watch. Uh, and again, hopefully you'll get a chance to see that. Oh, I'm watching it right now. This is amazing. Yeah. The fascinating thing is that they now know uh, um, that there are around about 100 different versions of this particular mm. motor. And the, the body and the feet are pretty much the same in all the different versions. Mm. But it's like a renovator, like a renovator machine that you get from, uh, from the um, hardware store. Um, the, the top of it, you can interchange. It's got interchangeable parts that go on the body and the legs to wow. carry different, um, different cargo. Mm. And they believe there's about a hundred different kinds of them now. And this, this is advancing very quickly. About six months ago, I was told there was, they thought there was 45 different kinds. Oh. They now believe that there's close to a hundred different kinds of this motor. Mm. And the Kinison motor takes, um, um, proteins from the center of the cell to the outside of the cell. There's then another motor called the Dynean motor, which takes um, cargo from the outside of the cell to the inside of the cell. Mm. Uh, and these things are just incredible to watch. Mm. Absolutely. How fast does this process happen? Obviously, in this photo, you know, they're just like taking little steps. But is this like moving at like incredibly fast speeds in, in reality in our yep. body? Um, to be honest, I, I couldn't tell you exactly how fast they move, but mm. um, they, the Kinesin motor uses one ATP molecule for every step, mm. and it takes 100,000 steps to cover a millimeter. Okay. And we know that those processes are ongoing, and we're constantly consuming these ATP molecules, so it's probably happening quite fast. I, oh, this is uh, amazing. Yeah. This is incredible. I, I, so this is information. I, I obviously we get people on the show to talk about these kinds of things, but seeing, seeing these motors and seeing how they're playing out, I, I, I think for myself as a Christian, I'm like, wow, this just is further confirming. But I think this is quite challenging for people who aren't in that position because it's so clearly and obviously like the complexity of itself is irreducible. It's just, this is the fact that this just came into being without any direction is, is impossible to, to understand or to say, or to even give explanation for. And I, again, always link it back to the island and, and mm. tell um, these youth that finding this Kinison motor would be like finding a robot walking around on the island. Mm. And, uh, and, and the link then is obvious that uh, the designer of the Kinison motor is just um, far superior to any designer, that um, any human designer. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, we, we link that back into, into the Bible mm. because it's the God of the Bible that is the creator. Jesus mm. is, the, is the creator. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is the, the greatest thing that I appreciate about, about creationministries.com and, and what you shared with us this morning, Mark, is that it ultimately enables us to go, wow, we can see that God is working in all these places, which enables us to then say, let's have a relationship with him. Let's get to know him better with the information that we have been given. Let's, uh, let's put him first in our life and follow him. 
definitely. Mark, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It has been an absolute blessing to talk to you, and I really encourage our listeners, jump onto our social medias or creation.com to be able to see the Kinnison motor, the ATP motor. We are going to continue on with the show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.